Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. To whom is in bloom, it's time for the Doom Room. <laughs> I'm running out of rhymes already. Oh, God. Wow. This is Alex. Why do you, you wasted two? You wasted two. I wasted two. I'm doomed. I am doomed. Kick open the tomb, because boom, boom, <laughs> you're in the Doom Room. I'm Justin, and I'm doomed. I'm Pete. And we are going to be talking about Doom Patrol Season 1, Episode 9, Jane Patrol. Jane Brief Patrol. little bit of recap in a second, but first... An apology right here at the top of the podcast for Pete. Pete looked excited because of the apology, but Pete messed up and then messed the rest of us up. Last episode, we were talking about a uh, famous New York celebrity, somebody who's well known in New York, mm. particularly for his posters in the subway. Pete brought him up Dr. first. Zedmore. And you said Dr. Zedmore. His name is Dr. Zizmore, Pete. You're Ziz- thinking oh. of Winston Zedmore That's, for the movie yep. Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. Uh, similar to your mess up in terms of calling Larry Trader Jack Trader, which was Harrison Ford's character for what was it again? I'm getting old and losing my mind, I guess. Um, from like uh, some weird like de- deliverance? No. Yeah, I don't know. It was no, it's from har- a rom-com. Yeah, it was definitely from a rom-com. But yeah. whatever it is, yeah, your mind is just a mess of characters from the Working 80s. Girl. Working, Working girl. Working girl. Yeah. And that's pretty much it. That's all you got. So Harrison Ford. Yes. Credit to you, first of all, for sticking it through with Doom Patrol, something that came out now instead of in the 80s. So I do appreciate that. Uh, But also apologies to Dr. Zismore, who, again, religiously listens to all of our podcasts (laughs) for getting your name wrong. And also apologies to fictional character Winston Zedmore for getting you uh, all mixed up in this. Oh, come on. Yeah, we really put a pimple on Dr. Zismore's. Well, there you go. On Jane Patrol, we are focusing on Jane, who has been catatonic since the end of the last episode. We finally go into the underground, see all of her personalities, at least the way that she sees them, or I guess we can talk about what the interpretation is there. And Cliff goes in afterwards to try and rescue her or something else. Again, definitely up for interpretation in terms of what Cliff is doing there. But ultimately... He does literally get her out of her head. Uh, they get out there, and that's where we kind of end the episode, finding out a lot more about Jane, a lot more about what's going on with her, a lot more about her backstory. But uh, I'll caveat that with not everything. Now, Pete, mm. you were pretty excited, uh, even with the previous episode, because the title of this episode was Jane Patrol, and in fact, it is about Jane, so you couldn't get the name wrong there. Uh, what do you think of this one? 
Well, I, I got to say, uh, I kind of went on a real emotional journey because I was upset at you at the last episode for being like, this is the best episode ever. Because I was like, we haven't seen all the apps. I mean, yes, we've mm. seen all the episodes, but we're rewatching them. So we haven't technically. I was and, like, oh. and, and I'll mention, this is your dating style too, right? You're like, well, I'm dating somebody, but this might not be the best person. I got to keep yeah. my eye out for future people. Right, oh, Pete? My God. Exactly. Oh, that's horrible. How dare you throw that comp- comparison? You I just it. think that. Um, I was like all upset at you. And then after this episode, I was like, I laughed, I cried. I was like, this is the best episode ever. And I, <laughs> there, I just put myself right in a Zelvin sandwich and it was just ridiculous. So you think this is the best episode? I do. I do. Yes. Interesting. I'm scared to talk about it with you guys because you might say otherwise and it would hurt my heart. I mean, I I like this episode a lot. It's such a focused episode, and it's very storybook uh, almost in the way mm-hmm, that it's like mm-hmm. sort of knight in not-so-shining armor um, going in to save um, this person that he feels like he, he owes her. He feels like he messed up. Um, and there's some great twists and turns um, and sort of storybook. The moment where he – where Cliff confronts Black Annis – and uh, she's like, no man may pass. And he peels his skin off. Face off. off. Yeah. yeah. So, which you know, is cool. Like, what a call out to an amazing movie, face off. You know, sometimes you just got to rip your face off. You know? Wow. You all the way to the 90s, Pete. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Good for you. I've, famously, I think that doesn't happen in face off. <laughs> no, they uh, don't. The, no, they change faces in face off. They change but they faces, do. but they don't peel each They don't trade Surgically. them back and forth. Yeah, it's yeah. the same thing, guys. You know what I mean? Like one's more clean. I'll tell you what, done, but I, the faces. I don't remember a lot from my past, much like Jane herself. But I do very vividly remember walking into the movie theater that summer and seeing Con Air poster on one side, Face Off poster on the other side. And I was like, oh, Where do you go? What a summer! <laughs> wow, what a choice! What an option! Real selfish um, choice there. Yeah, we've all been through Face Offs. <laughs> Yeah, did you see that version of Sophie's Choice where the Nazi general is like, which Nicolas Cage movie do you want which to watch? And she's like, no, I can't choose. Cut them in half, I guess. Is Same result. Oh. Same result. Yeah. Um, but what I was trying to say was uh, the moment and then uh, he, he's, he proves the only way he can advance is by proving that he's not a man and yeah. proving that he's the only one that could really save Jane in this moment. And right. it really sweet moments like that, I think, populate this episode. So I did enjoy it. But it doesn't have the whole team. It's not it's not a true Doom Patrol episode. Well, I feel like. people are contributing. And as you saw when they got back to the room, shit went down. Something you know happened. I mean? And yeah. I feel like we'll maybe learn about that next episode. Yeah. So yeah. I, I can't tell whether you're – saying that as a negative point or not, Justin, but I will say, I think it actually is to the credit of the episode. We were talking last episode about how nice it is that the show has been doing a thing that's very typical of shows, but too few shows actually do, which is mix up the characters to see how they tick Mm. and push them in different directions. Like last week, getting Cyborg and Larry together while Rita and Clifford together going after Jane. So getting all these mix ups really lets them explore and differentiate the characters. But I... Right, Coming right after that, I actually really liked having a focus episode that drilled down very hard on the relationship between Cliff and Jane, as well as Jane's 
psychosis is probably internal. the wrong word. Internal, internal relationship. Struggle. Well, yeah, there you go. And I'm not saying it negative in any way because I really like, agree with you, the focus that this show does and the confidence with which they're like, no, we're just going to do this. I was yeah. just saying to call this your f- favorite Doom Patrol episode, it feels like it doesn't have the whole patrol. Oh. We're on Jane Patrol here. So it's uh, – it feels like it's not an emblematic episode for the series, and oh, that is okay. no criticism. Now, of now this you're episode. being me uh, after last episode, like criticizing Zelvin for picking his favorite. And you're well, but Pete does the same thing. He coaches a girls' badminton squad, and he's always like, "Man, this is my favorite team ever." But specifically, Samantha and Angela. Don't bring yeah. the Philly Roughnecks into this, okay? <laughs> They've yeah, got I, a I can't sweet you guys... season going, and Where are you you're not going to jinx you're it. You're ranked number five, right? Yeah, in the in the nation. And you're jumping on a plane to fly to Nationals over the Canadian uh, rock, uh, band, Rocky Mountains, right? <laughs> yeah, that, yeah uh, that's coming not... Up. It's not. I don't want to put that out there. Yeah. Okay. And just to also clarify, there are five badmin- girls badminton teams in the United States, right? Come on, man. There's 20. <laughs> Does your team eat is into eating each other? Like if there was a a tragic plane crash, would Pete you think that's what you're talking about? <laughs> I know. I like that. I like that he doesn't know what I'm talking about because I think he'll answer the question honestly. Do you think you or any of the team would eat another human being? No. I, mean, I guess we'll see. Yeah. Do we have to rip somebody else's face off? I don't know. But you know, coming we'll soon to, to Showtime, break. Philly Roughnecks. Oh boy! Uh, But yes, I do. Yes, go ahead, Pete. We should take it back to the beginning here because even at the start of this, the previously on is all Jane stuff. It's all Jane (laughs) stuff. So it was a huge shocker. I I couldn't believe this is great. I sat down. I paused the episode at that point, and I wrote a a, a very long email. to DC Universe Infinite, which doesn't even produce the show anymore. And I was like, thank you. Thank you for giving me the scenes in the previous line that are applicable to the episode so I understand because too many shows... Like I'll turn on I'll turn on an episode of what's a popular show uh, NCIS I'll turn on NCIS mm. and the previously That's on the is show all, you came up with is all scenes from Young Sheldon the last thirty seconds <laughs> no. of Young Sheldon I'm like this is don't nonsense. Be an asshole. So, this is yes, nonsense. What does this up. have to do with it? Yeah, yes, don't be an asshole. Yes, a lot of the times or most of the time it's geared towards what we're about to see, but it's. It's not as specific. Like this was all Jane for the Jane app. It was. I felt like it was a little extra, and I appreciated. No, and that's. I said all of that in my note. Uh, DC Universe Infinite, CC Jim Lee, dear King of San Diego. Thank you so much (laughs) for putting the extra effort into this previously on. Appreciate it. Yeah, and uh, I'm glad we're talking about the DC logo because I've been thinking like we're not. Um, (laughs) was it the DC logo scape? You know what I mean? Is it the DC? You're getting worse. Look? You know I like that you're Maybe workshopping it's the DC names. landscape. Like I don't the mar- calling it the DC flip. I don't know. It just you know, feel like it should it be. Feels its own. like a. It's incorrect. Well, it's because Marvel does the Marvel flip, and then calling no, it the don't. DC flip just because Marvel did. It, I don't know. Sorry, I just went into my underground and threw myself <laughs> in my own personal well, based on this conversation. Um, uh, but like, can, can we talk about so? In this episode, I thought they did a really great thing by uh, we get to meet all of the different personalities within Jane. 
and um, we got little titles to explain who they are. But oh, what man. I love about so it great. is they didn't feel forced to have um, uh, Diane Guerrero play all of them. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like that would have been annoying and not necessary. Because we're seeing what they really look like, like, who, you know, not yeah. just uh, kind of like her. Yeah, I, I, like some of them couldn't be, like the nun? Are you fucking kidding me? Did you see that nun with the chainsaw? Just I mean, the honestly, nun. When I like, saw what the all these, fuck was that? When I saw these people, I was like, this is the Suicide Squad movie that Pete is dying to see. It's yeah. just all these Jane personalities <laughs> fighting each other or whatever. Um, and I, I wrote them down. We've got Karen Hammerhead, Kit with the Gunstick, Scarlet Harlot, Lucy Fuchs, Silver Tongue, Jill and Irons, Mama Pentecost, Baby Doll, The Nun, Pretty Polly Flit, The Secretary, Driver The Secretary eight. was intense, man. Yeah, what's, what's her deal? Yeah. Black Annis, The Sisters, who? Uh, the sisters, I, I couldn't even. I couldn't even look at the sisters. Like they really, had to go to separate shots of their head because it was like too creepy. I really like that choice as well, and I think you are expecting to see Diane Guerrero because that's what we've seen. But yeah. doing it internally like this. It makes sense on a bunch of levels, not just from a story perspective, but also from a production perspective to not have to double her 30 times in there uh, and get her into different makeup. It's very smart. What did you think of the fact, though, that some of the doubles are Jane, but not all of the doubles are Jane? Uh, Well, I get Karen was was played by the same by Diane uh, because we just we've we follow her into the underground. Mm -hmm. So I think it makes Mm -hmm. sense to do that just for clarity. And I think we want Jane herself to be played by Jane. Right. Um, And it may be if there if I were to sort of read the tea leaves, it may be that there's something about the personalities that were played by Diane Guerrero are closer to the surface or a little Mm -hmm. more functional, closer to the core. Mm-hmm. Um, driver eight, sort of a functional uh, person, like like makes things happen, takes it to the surface. Um, so maybe that's the sort of through line there. If hmm. I was uh, reading the tea leaves, so to speak, I think maybe they asked her, like, "Hey, do you, do you want to play a couple of these, or what are you thinking?" You know. I mean, you. I know you're joking, but that might have at well, least played part of it of like how many dyads can we actually have in this episode in terms of the schedule, in terms of everything going on, uh, and sort of figured out at least in part from there. But I do like your theory, Justin, that they are the ones that are closer to the surface, and all of it makes a lot of logical sense. It also allows them to create these very weird creatures like the sisters and but, Black Annis that are very cool. Why we're talking about her for a second, that like empty stare when she's like not, you know, at the kind of wheel or not uh, up top or whatever they want to call it. Like, oh, my God. So creepy. So well done. It's it's really impressive. So you're saying she's not up top. She's down low, Pete. Too slow. I think I think that's a yes. Um, and let me just expand on my theory a little bit. What if they're the Jane's Holy internal jokes, bro? Internal person. I don't even know what you're talking about. I'm too young. What if their <laughs> internal personalities are um, when they surface, they start to look like actual Jane, and as they get deeper, their look changes and becomes mm-hmm. more grotesque Ooh. because you, your characters like the sisters Black Annis are fully sort of, you know, the darkness has let them become these sort of more monstrous characters, and the characters closer to the top are more human, including Driver 8, uh, Karen, because she was just on the surface, and then Jane, who is the surface character. Well, and also not to keep bringing it back to a logistical level, I'm 100% sure there was a five-second discussion right at the beginning of this of like, well, we can't have her play a black woman. That is not going to happen. (laughs) 
<laughs> oh, I forgot about uh, Driver Will. Is that what it? Bill. Uh, Bill Driver Bill. Bill. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but uh, really good characters across the board and bringing in cast like this to play these characters. Driller Bill. Had, Driller Bill. Bill. That yeah. she has played before, particularly like Hammerhead and Penny Hammerhead Farthing. was unbelievable. It's great. It was really cool seeing them in these forms, even yeah. if I was initially thrown by it. Once you get into it, I think it works really nicely. But and you guys, overall, oh, go ahead, Pete. You can, you can uh, say it, right? I mean, the three-headed sister thing was creepy, right? Are we not to me. saying it? I don't know. Sexy? Well, how, I was the only sexy? one I was the only one admitted woman? it. You guys just brushed past it like it wasn't. Like, well, I'm always looking down the road for the three-headed woman who I might meet someday who might be my lady loves. Yeah. Um, Alex is me. too much he's too much man for a one-headed woman. He <laughs> wants to he wants to chat it up. I don't up even know what we're three-headed woman. Yeah. Three-headed yeah. woman, six ears. Let's let's talk. <laughs> like I always say, regular dog in the streets and a Cerebus in the oh, sheets. Oh, wow. Nice. Cerebus. I'm sorry, Cerebus. I'm sorry that I did this and also, this bit. you really put the dog into a sexual metaphor <laughs> in a way that I didn't expect. I was having a little trouble there. I came up with the second part, but couldn't figure out the first part. Hey, you got us there. Also, couldn't and... figure out the second part. Yeah. <laughs> well, you took us there, and nobody wants to be there, so great. Yeah, good times. <laughs> what did you think about the overall structure of the underground? I'm curious to hear from you, Justin, particularly because this is your first time going through it. We've had a lot of teases there. We saw the map outside that Niles Calder put together. Um, but how do you how did you feel about how it worked beyond the different Janes? Um, I, I like it. I like that it's a journey. I like that we sort of get to see Jane going on it and learning about herself and Cliff um, as well. And he gets to bring that sort of slightly different knowledge that he took in to her to help her in the climax of the episode. Um, and, you know, like I said, the, the storybook nature or the sort of like, I think I've made this comparison before, like the movie Labyrinth or mm-hmm. uh, a movie like Never Ending Story, if anyone's seen that recently. Like it really... Uh, you. We get to go on a little journey there. Um, that was cool. And then the other part of the episode, I mean, there's a lot of different things that we could talk about, but overall, there's a lot of talk about Jane and these different personalities and who's driving the main personality. But we also get a follow up on the sweet, sweet baby thing a little bit that we don't get complete answers here. I think you could probably. I think we get enough. I think we get enough. Well, how do you feel about how that's treated and what was your take on it? Uh, I thought it was, you know. Very emotional, the very powerful her to like stand up to the puzzle monster that is her father. I thought that was really, uh, a really, really intense kind of powerful moment. I thought it was very moving. Uh, I'm surprised we didn't get sort of more of an explanation. It's so scary. And the fact that we just get these repeated phrases and the insinuation that it's some like horrible sexual abuse that had and that happened yeah. to her. And the fact that we gesture at it but don't get the answer makes it really hard. It makes it harder and more sort of difficult to watch. Um, and then the way the episode sort of ends, just to talk about it together, like she shout with Cliff's help, uh, she shouts down the puzzle monster. Right. And it doesn't vanish. It doesn't vanquish it. It just spins back into the well, just, you know, sort yeah. of. Uh, de de merges and uh, it can. And at the end of the episode, we get her sort of 
waking up to the voice again as it reemerges. Maybe the idea here is that we've sort of seen themed throughout these episodes is it's not enough to identify your problem. You have to sort of fully confront it, explore it before you can actually move forward. And Jane's just made the first step of sort of identifying and yeah. Yeah, I think that's a good way of looking at it. And I like the fact that they don't explicitly say it because you can intuit whatever is happening. I think it would be exploitative and, on the other hand, maudlin if exploitative if you showed what was going on, maudlin if she was like, I was abused, okay? That's what happened to me, and here's specifically how it happened. Both of those things are not as powerful, like you're saying, Justin, as implying everything. Let the viewer go with their brain as far as you want to go or as far as you don't want to go down this well, follow this down. Um, And I I think that the story is stronger for it. And like you're saying, when people deal with abuse of any kind, even if you do grow, even if you do push past it, it's always going to be there in the background. You're always going to be haunted about it in some way. It's not something that you're ever going to 100% totally escape. uh, And it's always going to be part of you. So I think that's what I took at least away from that last scene of Jane lying on the bed, hearing the voice again. Yeah, Yeah, it it was uh, super powerful. I I was just, uh, I wanted to kind of take it back to something that Justin said earlier. Um, Yeah, we don't get like, we get a nice moment in the beginning where they're kind of like, okay, what's going on? Jane's still not kind of responding. And there was this really funny line where Cliff goes, I shouldn't have pushed therapy so hard. This is all my fault. And then Rita goes, that was the rat. And I just fell out. (laughs) Like, that's hysterical. It wasn't even Cliff's idea. Like, the rat was in his head for two seconds and was like, these people need therapy bad. And, like, was drove into this. Shout Um, out to Admiral Whiskers. He always knows what's up. Yeah, he really does. Like, yeah. uh, I'm, I'm glad that that was a fun thing. And then it was like a call back later. But I also love the magic school bus style and the fact that, uh, you know, the light being was like, all right, if that's how we got to do it, let's go. Well, it was really funny to have because Cyborg suggested it. And then Larry's like, that's stupid. And then it instantly <laughs> happens. Like, um, that kind of uh, like, let's just try stuff out. Let's get a little bit weirder. That's what yeah. the Doom Patrol's all and about. And then, uh, you know, later, Cliff being like, how did you even get here? He's like, a magic school bus? It was just funny. Well, let's talk about Cliff then, because that is the other part of the episode in terms of his relationship to Jane, but also his relationship to himself. We talked a little bit about the Cliff getting his skin ripped off thing. My interpretation of that was that Cliff is robot man now, that he still... He gets in there and he's thinking of himself as this human. And it's very fun to see Brendan Fraser again. Yeah, it was so great. So good. But that ultimately what he realizes, no, I'm a better version of myself as a brain in a jar than I was as a human being. Did you guys get the same thing from that? Well, yeah, he had to kind of like evolve uh, to be able to get kind of past the scissors lady. And, uh, it was, uh, Mm. I thought it was really kind of, uh, crazy to realize like he used to be something else. He's like, but I'm not that person anymore. I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, I agree. Like he is who he is and his acceptance of that gives him power there because Jane is struggling with that acceptance, I think in a lot of ways. And that's what uh, the trauma that she experienced has caused her personality to fracture. And if she can accept that, maybe she can sort of have more control over that in her life. 
Well, Justin, what about Cliff's relationship with Jane? Something that we've talked about a lot here on the podcast, because there's a couple of different iterations here. I think very rightly we've talked about is Jane actually Cliff's daughter? Is Jane his surrogate daughter? Does Cliff want Jane to be uh, his daughter? And here, uh, Karen suggests something Karen different. Karen is like, she wants the rom-com, you know? She She's wants the rom-com. Like, yeah. Oh, this it, is the big gesture. And he's like, no. And is that Karen or is Cliff interested in Jane romantically? I feel like that was coming out of Karen. And I will say the show does a lot of sort of throwing. It keeps that question in the air. It keeps that balloon aloft. Because, like, it's really hard to define what their relationship is. At the end of the day, I think they're just going to be, like, close friends and like like each other's support when it comes to the way the their lives are uh because neither romance or like a a father daughter relationship feels right it's sort well, of they'd be leaning on each other too hard in either case when they really just need them to be there for each other well particularly after this episode i think cliff when he and jane face down puzzle daddy understands that uh what that was wrong. Don't call him that. I, that's yeah. what I wrote down in my notes. Of course um, you did. Sorry. You're right. I shouldn't call him that. Uh, the puzzle <laughs> monster. <laughs> Is that yeah. better? Yeah. Uh, when they face down the puzzle monster, I think he realizes, at least on some level, that part of the reason Jane has been pushing him away as a surrogate father figure is that something terrible happened with her actual father back in the yeah. day. So and we yeah. get that moment uh, with Niles and her on tape where she's like, you're nothing like my father, which is a mm-hmm. good thing. But he's like trying to get more from it, which, and she's like, no, I'm not ready to open that door. And I thought the moment with um, that Penny Farthing shows Cliff was really nice, where it was the scene between Cliff and Jane, where she was painting when they first sort of yeah. connected. And he's like, no, well, why is this sad? This is nice. And she's like, well, Penny Farthing's like, well, you gave her hope. Yeah. And so I think Ouch. that is the that's the defining moment of their relationship. Like she Cliff gave Jane that sort of like, oh, maybe life can be better because this guy's got it pretty rough yeah. in general. And he's still like soldiering on and, um, you know, looking for that next oil can. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Penny Farthing, I really like the twist there that the safe place that she goes to is actually inside the puzzle. And we get that tie in. I thought that was really kind of neat. And whose memory is this reveal? Well, and also that it ties into the fact that the father figure ultimately is taking over that puzzle, taking over that one really kind of good memory and corrupting it um, because that is the backstory of why she's doing those puzzles and why she's so into those puzzles. Um, but the big question I think out of this is, is there a puzzle that you would want to go into? Ooh, wow. nice. Wow. Um, I don't know. Like, a, you know, as a kid, like I really enjoyed the kind of like the ocean puzzle where you get to put all the fish together and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I can't mm-hmm. breathe underwater, so I wouldn't really want to go there. Oh man. Great point. <laughs> <laughs> wow. The fantastical journey of going into a puzzle stops short once again. <laughs> inability to breathe underwater. Follow me into this puzzle. Oops, can't breathe. Let, let's be honest. I feel like most puzzles you enter will result in your death. Oh, uh, wow. Space puzzles, uh, <laughs> yep, Disney point, movie puzzles. Mm. Wait. You just I want die? a puzzle of the room I'm currently in. I'm comfortable <laughs> there. I'd go into that puzzle. Yeah. <laughs> What if I gave you a puzzle of you in the room you're in 
as a gift. Like that's not that would that's be not nice. Really creepy. Yeah, you could probably do that, right? Just screen cap here and then uh, oh, get somebody no. to make a puzzle. Be like, look, you love being on Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> See if you could look. Put you're it trapped in Zoom again. <laughs> Uh, great. What any an other... existential uh, metaphor we just uh, landed on. Any other moments from the episode in particular that you want to call out? I know. Well, uh, yeah, go ahead. I mean, we haven't talked about like the best character. What was it? Uh, the straw? Jack Straw? Jack Straw? I mean, come on. Throws the shiv down the. Oh, that was just unbelievable. I honestly don't even remember what you're talking about. What are you talking about? The when Clint's in of- the jail, yeah. uh, there's a, well, a character we don't even really see. It looks like a pile of hay with some clothes on, sort of. We never see any close shot of Jack oh, Straw. You just see throws two shots a- of Jack Straw. It's just great and uh, the real hero of the episode. Great. That helps me remember this thing that happened. All right. Uh, do you remember when the- Cliff's punching in the wall? Mm-hmm, I do. And then all of a sudden the shiv gets thrown uh, his oh, way. Oh, right. Jack okay. Straw, motherfucker. Yes. yes. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> Jack Straw, motherfucker. Sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Apology accepted. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, the uh, I love, first off, I love the, the like baller as- move. What's that? I'm sorry. It's just Are you still as talking a comedian, about Jack Straw? Yeah, like as a comedian, the Jack Straw of it all is just so well done. The timing of it, this crazy looking character looks like, why would this person have a shiv? It's just comedically unbelievable. Yeah, it should be Jack Shiv. <laughs> really. Uh, what were you saying, Justin? Something about Jack Straw, I believe. Uh, nope, something unrelated. Um, what a baller move. The sisters have a sign that says no questions. Yeah, like that's the kind of thing you want to put up in every room. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that? No questions. No questions. Oh, right. Never mind. Uh, yeah, gotcha. Overall, you got me good. Uh, overall, great episode. Really introspective. Going to be interesting to see what happened to everybody else while Cliff and Jane were in the underground, and also to explore more about Jane because one of the things that I really do like about this episode that I think we mentioned earlier, but in case not, is. It leaves a lot of questions open. It's not like, and case closed, we know everything we need to know about Jane. There's a lot of questions here in terms of who is Kay Chalice, uh, who was Miranda, what happened yeah, to Miranda. her, all of these things back in the day. And same thing with the Larry Trainer flashbacks. We're only getting pieces of those in, that information as we go. Um, and is so- that dog okay? I mean, you know, poor little dog? dog was just yeah. sitting there eating. What are you talking about? Jack Straw? When- Oh no! <laughs> she's extra dog. Before the oh, insane yep. asylum van pulls up, she's feeding a little dog on the mm. street. Sorry, Alex, this is a dog in the street, not a dog in the sheets. <laughs> so you may not <laughs> oh, have okay. noticed. Sorry about that. I yeah. didn't. Uh, yeah, but then when for the orderlies <laughs> take her back to the sanitarium, uh, she there's a little dog. Yeah, these are the big questions that will no doubt get answered next episode in Hair Patrol, Hair of the Absolutely. Dog. Uh, before we wrap up here, why don't we talk about who's most doomed this episode? Justin, in your estimation, who was most doomed? A lot of characters to pull on if we throw in all of the um, Jane personalities in here. Um, but I got to say Penny Farthing is um, in, in trouble. Penny Farthing is a little delicate flower in this world. And I just yeah. don't think that little, uh, little British uh, personality is going to be able to make it. If we're talking personalities, I'll throw out Miranda. Whatever happened to her seems like it was pretty, pretty bad because not good. They don't talk about Miranda. Hashtag we don't talk about Bruno. 
It's on. <laughs> wow. <laughs> happened. The references I are... I'm just throwing out stuff at this point. Uh, uh, it's all good. Pete, who's most doomed? Uh, I, I'm going to have to say Driver 8. Um, uh, it was really interesting how she was just like, no, I love my job. I am very content with what I do here. And, I was and like, that's I doomed? It, yeah. I was oh, like, yeah. that's not the attitude to have in this place. You got to, mm. you know. So yeah. I'm a little worried about Driver 8. Oh, I'm excited. I think this is a little preview of Pete's advice, which is never be satisfied with your job. But we'll see what happens in a second. Oh, man. If you'd like to support this podcast, <laughs> Patreon, than what I have. <laughs> patreon.com <laughs> slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast on YouTube. Come hang out. We'd love to chat with you about Doom Patrol, iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice. To subscribe, listen, and follow the show at Comic Book Live on Twitter, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. And now over to Pete for a subpar piece of advice. <laughs> <laughs> Trusting people is hard. Turns out a lot of them fucking suck. <laughs> oh, you're so proud of yourself. Well, th- you are. This is, I don't know if this is advice. It's sort of a harsher Jack Handy situation we have. Here. <laughs>